Hey guys, and welcome back to Lumis Maxima, the podcast with bright ideas about all things Harry Potter. I'm Sarah. And I'm Delaney, and we're your hostess with the most. This podcast will contain spoilers, mature language, adult themes, and a lot of opinions. Each week, we analyze Harry Potter themes, content, characters, and more. And we even do some extra stuff to keep it fun and fresh. Now that you know the deal, let's get into the real stuff in this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of Lumos Maxima. We did not put an episode out last week, last, last week, last, I don't, with bi-weekly episodes, I'm not I don't really, really know sure. what it was. It was whatever the last one should have been. Um, I was sick and lost my voice and Delaney lost her voice at a Jonas Brothers concert. So yep. <laughs> we opted not to put up something that would sound super awful. Um, you can probably tell that I'm sick still. I'm sick. Yeah, basically. what is going on? Basically all of winter. Um, So what happens during your first year of nursing is, and this is what they've told me, I don't know how true it is, um, but you're basically just sick all the time because your body's not used to being exposed to people who are sick all the time, all day, every day. And you work a lot, you don't get a lot of sleep, so I'm just sick a lot. I also have a bad immune system. Great. So, and I'm sick. I mean, I'm normally sick like 15 times a year. Um, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. But... Hopefully it doesn't sound too bad. If it does, whatever. Nah, it's all right. This is, my, this is my life. I was so. going to say, I mean, you sound kind of normal, which is just tells you how much you're sick. I'm sick <laughs> all the fucking time. So um, we are going to start randomly putting in episodes that are our book versus movie episodes in between our other content. The book versus movie debate is, I mean. It's a hot one. It's a hot one. It really is. And I would say an overwhelming majority of people prefer the storyline of the book with the ease of the movie watching (laughs) because some of the books are very dense um, and just long and difficult to get through sometimes because it can, I mean, book five, I I love it now as an adult, but reading it as a child, Order of the Phoenix was hard for me. Yeah. Order of the Phoenix is my favorite, but I read it as an adult. And uh-huh. I can definitely think yeah. how it was rough. Yeah. Mia is like a 12-year-old. That was, <laughs> was really difficult to get through. So. Yeah. Um, but we're going to start just inserting these episodes. We're not going to do them all back to back to back because, I mean, and this is, it's some ideas, obviously, that you haven't heard before, but I guarantee that you've heard most of these quips about the differences um, at some point in your life. So. And I feel like a a series of like all of these back to back would get really old. So it would get monotonous, I think, because a lot of the complaints about it are they're they're throughout the different um, books or the different movies and stuff. So similar ones throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to be obviously starting with Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you're from. Yeah, but before we get into that. For some reason, they didn't think that Americans could handle the word philosopher. But, you know, whatever. Well, uh, to be fair, we do have a different interpretation of philosopher. We think of someone that is a thinker. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And not, and not necessarily someone that is of magical capability. So I can see why for marketing purposes they changed that. But... They didn't have to. They really so. didn't have to because the Sorcerer's Stone, okay, it's a thing that I don't know what it is. Same yeah. thing with the Philosopher's uh, Stone, whatever. We'll learn, we'll learn about it in the books, but that's yeah. fine. So, 
Uh, before we get into that, though, our weekly wizarding question, which is inspired by the Quippler, which I haven't listened to any of their recent episodes. They've um, been really good. I've really enjoyed them. And this is I, something that they brought up. So, yes, this is by the And they do bring up a lot of interesting points about the metaphysics of magic in general, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. So it's uh, why can wizards conjure water out of nowhere with Aguamente, but you can't create food from nowhere? Yeah. So they were talking about how um, I believe they're in Deathly Hollows, and the, the the trio really struggles with getting food because mm-hmm. one of the laws of magic is that you can't just create food from nothing, mm-hmm. but you can create water from nothing. And so my take on this is water is inherently available in every object around us, and therefore you could conjure enough from the inanimate objects around you to create enough to drink. So you can do that. But you can't necessarily have the availability of food particles that would create a whole dish around you at all times. Yeah. That's why I think it. Because and water is, I mean, it's in the air. It's in, it's in literally everything. And it's something like that, I'm sure. That would be like the norm, the, you know, the answer that would be given. But, <laughs> but the thing about food is that you can conjure it. You just need to know where, it's, where it is. So right. do you have to be thinking about where water is in order to conjure water? Because I agree that it's more readily available, but being able to just conjure it from nowhere, I feel like it breaks a lot of magic. Unless you have to know a source of water that you can get it from. I don't know. I don't know. I I think a lot of magic is intent, not necessarily knowledge, but intent. I mean, you don't have to, well, I mean, we've talked about this with the killing curse before. Do you have, we know you have to mean it when you say it for it to be effective. But do you have to mean it towards that person or just mean it in general? Right. You know, or do you have to be thinking, okay, I'm now going to kill this person or I'm just going to kill someone? I don't know. I don't know. know. I feel like we should do an episode on the laws of magic one time. I think that we would get very lost. Yeah. (laughs) I think we'd get very lost. Definitely. It would be fun, though. So, um. So now we're going to talk about books and movies because books and movies. that's, that's going to have to be something for another time. So the oh, interesting yeah. thing about the Harry Potter movies is that over a span of eight movies, seven books and eight movies, we had one author who wrote all the books and we had four directors, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> four movie directors. Um, so our first two are directed, I believe, by Chris Columbus. I think so. I- I think so. I'm not sure. Directed by him. I didn't um, study for this quiz. I didn't study for this quiz either, but I'm pretty sure because I like to say Christopher Columbus. Um, so I think he directed one and two. And then you also notice it in the movies. We have a huge shift in what the actual visual picture is in our third movie. Okay. Um, definitely gets a lot darker. It gets darker in the books too, which I think they do mirror that well in the yeah. books and, and in the movies. They do that well. But mm-hmm. – um, the first two are directed by, I'm going to say, Chris Columbus. And I would say that they did a six and a half out of ten job with taking book one and putting it into a movie. And I think that it got progressively more difficult to get all of the elements of everything into the movie. So yeah. I give the later movies more of a pass on skipping elements Um just because there's so much that they have to get in there. Yeah. But I also give the later movies more crap for not putting in what I would think of as essential storyline pieces that they yeah. choose to neglect. Yeah. Or, there, or like little, 
little things that were like they make one character say a line instead of the original character and like those are things that you don't have to skip over yeah I feel like you can just you can put those in there yeah I agree that some of some of the choices they make of what what to include and what to not include doesn't make sense at all it it really is arbitrary with some of it and i think at least in the first books and we'll we'll get to talking about peeves a little bit but some of the stuff there were i think it would have been too difficult in a like as a producer to actually make it look good in the movie Agreed. at the time that the movie was released yeah um maybe so because the first movie was released in 2001 mm-hmm. and we've come a really long way since then obviously yeah Mm-hmm. But I mean, just look at, you know, the CGI Voldemort on the back of Quirrell's head versus what we get later on. Oh, yeah, totally different. I mean, it, it's come a long way, certainly. Yeah. So I don't I'm not I'm not too critical of the first movie, mostly because one, the novelty of it being made into a movie was just like it blew my mind. It blew my little six year old mind. It was amazing. And um, they did some things that were great. Like the great hall scenes were amazing. Amazing. It was, they brought to life a lot of really key elements. The castle, everything that happened in the castle was exactly what you were hoping for when you were reading the books. The, the mystique of it was exactly what you wanted. Um, and I don't remember necessarily missing a lot of the plot points Mm-mm. or a lot of the discrepancies the first time I watched it, but I was pretty young. Now when I watch it, I'm like, hey. Yeah, there, there are <laughs> some big discrepancies, um, but plot wise it's plot wise, okay plot wise it's pretty good i think we miss out on a little bit of character building yes. but for the most part it's stuff that is neither here nor there yeah so um i think we'll get into it i think you guys are ready for this yeah and if you um, guys have if you, we don't list everything one it's you know because we're being cognizant of our time constraints but two there's a lot of minutia that we could get into here. So don't hesitate to send stuff to us, please. Yeah. And we're trying, we'll mention some that we didn't go into detail about later on, but like, a lot, we all, yeah, we also tried to not mention. do like tiny every single ones. one, every single one. <laughs> yeah. We tried to pick some of the bigger ones. Yes. So one of the first bigger ones is um, how Draco and Harry meet. Um, and I get why they changed this one. I do. Um, so in the Sorcerer's Stone book, Harry meets Draco at Madame Malkin's robe shop in Diagon Alley, where he's blatant, where uh, Draco's blatantly rude to Hagrid. Um, and then they meet for a second time on the Hogwarts Express, where Draco makes a snide remark about choosing his friends wisely. So, but in the film, they take out that first meeting and um, in the robe shop and on the Hogwarts Express. And it's actually the whole thing about choosing your friends wisely actually mm-hmm. happens right before the sorting ceremony in the castle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I get why they did that. I mean, that would have been two whole more scenes with different sets that they would have had to do. It's a lot easier to just get them all together right then and have that scene right outside the Yeah, the I... I like how it's set up in the book because it made it seem like Harry was not choosing to be friends with Draco because he was rude to people that Harry liked a lot. So, I mean, being rude to Hagrid, being rude to Ron. In the movie, though, it sets it up to make it seem like Draco is the reason that Harry didn't want to be a Slytherin altogether. Agreed. Which I think 
I think is a little dramatic about his take on Slytherins. Um, so the movie definitely makes it seem like Draco completely dissuades him from wanting to be a Slytherin at all. When in reality, he and Draco, you know, he doesn't like Draco for a lot of more personal reasons. And it's yeah. not necessarily about the houses, which I think is how it kind of looks um, in the movie. I agree, because in the book, he's not even a Slytherin yet. He's just like, I don't like that guy, period. Right, yeah. He he is just another person who's rude to Hagrid. And I mean, at this point, Hagrid is like the lord and savior yeah. <laughs> for Harry. So Yeah, and also I think that in the movie, it makes it seem more like Harry's maybe rude to Draco and doesn't choose him as a friend because he's already friends with Ron. Where in the mm-hmm. book, it's he's never even met Ron, and he decides that he does not love Draco. Right, so yeah. He and he and Ron don't have any love connection at this point. They yeah. become friends very quickly. Yeah. Um, but it is not because of Draco that they become friends, which is what the right. movie definitely makes it seem like. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that second interaction with Draco is Harry standing up for his friend, but not the first one. Right. Yeah. Then we've got Hagrid taking Harry to King's Cross, which I like this idea that the movie creates, which is that Hagrid goes to the island. He's like, you're a wizard. And then Harry leaves with Hagrid and hangs out with him for months until he drops him off at the train. That's a nice idea. Mm -hmm. But in reality, in the book, Harry's first trip to King's Cross and for everyone, uh, Vernon, Petunia and Dudley are all there. And they are the ones that put them on there and they are not about it, which I think is definitely more fitting that they're they're putting him on the train and they are not about what's happening. And it shows their disdain for the entirety of the process. Um, The film definitely makes it a little bit more palatable that he's you know, he gets to leave the Dursleys um, and he gets to hang out with Hagrid and have a good time and then gets on the train and it's all good for a couple months for him because you want it to be a better life for him but you don't really get there it makes it a happier moment and a little bit more whimsical and magical it it does it also instills the idea that Hagrid is going to be this very important figure in Harry's life which is true without the scene he definitely is but this really makes it seem like again Hagrid is the lord and savior of Harry Potter which Mm -hmm. is True, but not true in this yeah. sense. Yeah. Uh, the next one is that um, the Sorting Hat song. So in the book, the Sorting Hat sings a song before each sorting ceremony, which introduces in the first one, the different traits of each house. So that's mm-hmm. how we learn about uh, all the houses and their traits and what it means to be in them. Um, that doesn't even happen in the movies. Um, I, there is no song. And really the only way that I believe the only way that we learn about the, the houses is through the characters themselves. Yes. And this would have been, I think a very good and easy thing to insert into the movies because it's not, it's already happening in the same setting that the great hall scenes are happening in. So you don't have to add any extra set really to this. I, I it mean, may have just been like get, a time thing, but it, it may have, but it should at have least been to throw in like a Gryffindor and a Slytherin song so that yeah. we get an idea because not everyone who saw the movies as they came out had read the books. Mm-hmm. And those are very important qualities to keep in mind as the story progresses. They're not the end all be all no, per se, but they they are important and it is something that helps to solidify the idea that all these kids are being sorted into four very distinct categories based on very distinct characteristic and qualities which is very essential to the structure of the books the movies the 
interworkings of the school, everything. Yeah, and I think also be, with a movie's not doing that, it really just makes it seem like Slytherin is bad, Gryffindor is good. When with the Sorting Hat song, no, it's just different types of people. Right. It's it's people who place weights on different things, and right. that is something. And that is one of my biggest issues with the movies is that mm-hmm. it is so black and white with Gryffindor, good, Slytherin, bad. In yes. the books, because there's a little bit more of the inner workings and the components behind how people end up where they end up, it it's obviously Slytherins are still seen as the bad people. But you get an idea that there are qualities beyond being a mean person that are right. important to the house. It's hard because the depiction of the house overall is poor. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but I mean, I, I think that that's something they could have... Right. I think that's something that they could have done and it would have been easy. Yeah. You know? And this next one is something that I can't believe they didn't include. And it's that probably is, my biggest issue. Yes. Out of my So, uh, as they are attempting to get to the Sorcerer's Stone, they have to go through challenges created by each of the Hogwarts teachers so that everyone is putting in something to protect the stone and also no one person is responsible for it. And there's a task created by Snape that is a potions task where you have to read a riddle and then decide which of the potions laid out is going, you know, which one's going to take you further, which one's going to bring you back, which one will kill you, all this stuff. And this is a moment where Hermione's Ravenclaw traits really shine through. And this was the, the exact moment that made me think maybe Hermione had been inappropriately sorted and was only sorted into Gryffindor to be the friend of Harry and Ron for a little bit there. Um, And she had a lot of non-magical skills that were creative thinking and reasoning and critical response thinking that is not shown. And that whole scene is not in the movie. Um, And I I think that, because I think in the movie, it just shows that she stays with Ron at the, the chess after game. the chess game yeah and she mm-hmm. stays with injured ron and doesn't go forward and that i mean if you if you've read the books you understand you know that they've left that out but if you haven't read the books it really makes it seem like hermione's kind of useless yeah um, and and that's my biggest problem with it is that not only does it make it seem like hermione's useless and can't really do anything but this potion task kind of shows that hermione's not just book smart she's really good a, in pinch situations yeah, where you just a, need to logic it out she's a critical thinker who mm-hmm. can work under pressure i mean there's a lot of pressure in this scene this is a this is a scene that's worth going back and rereading in the books this is a great it's snippet a great of scene yeah who hermione is because up until this point in books and movies she's kind of bossy Mm-hmm. and she kind of gets along with them, but not really gets along with them, and, like, she's kind of their friend, but you're not really, I mean, other than being a little bit of a know-it-all, you don't really know much about her. Right. This is a beautiful scene for her character that I think people forget about because it's not in the movies, and this is a nod towards her creativity, which happens a lot in the book-to-movie transition that we get with her character. Some of her very poignant scenes of being really a smart person a really good critical thinker someone you want to be on your team in a you know kind of during crunch time Mm -hmm. gets left out and i think it's a disservice to her character i agree and definitely i think that this whole sequence of them going through the task is such a good character development really setting up the trio for who's going to be the strength and what should so when in which situation 
and Hermione's just completely left out. And right, Ron gets his moment. I was gonna Absolutely. say Ron gets his moment, and it's a great moment, another great scene, both it, in the movie it, and the books. Yeah, it solidifies who he is as a character. He mm-hmm. he does have worth and he is willing to sacrifice for something bigger than himself, which is exactly what that scene is about. And that is him as a character, I think as a whole. Right, yes. And Harry gets his scenes of being, you know, kind of gutsy and he's just going to go for it and it works out for him because he's just got some innate talents and Mm -hmm. Hermione really does get left behind in the movie depiction. Yeah, and it's important because all the way through Deathly Hallows, you see that these traits come up in the trio and they end up, they, that's what makes everything work. So Mm -hmm. it's a real, it's a disservice to Hermione's movie character. I totally agree. Sorry, Emma Watson. Yeah. Sorry. The next one is something that Sarah and I completely disagree on. Totally. Um, so in the books, there's Peeves, the trickster ghost, and it's completely left out in the movie. And I think it's a good thing. I don't think it was worth putting it in at all. So this, I don't know why Peeves are so divide. Peeves is such a dividing character for people because Peeves as a character is probably very annoying. But yes. That's how he's supposed to be. Right. That is the definition of a poltergeist. Yeah. He's a troublesome ghost that causes manipulation of objects and people's emotions and does all that but peeves is the generation of adolescent experience he poltergeists are reported in a lot of cultures to be the manifestation of adolescent emotion so Mm -hmm. all of the bad parts all of the you know emotional instability and immaturity and all that it it combines and generates a force that is a poltergeist which is the explanation of phenomenons that is the the supernatural of a poltergeist there is no reason why a place like hogwarts should not have a poltergeist no i get (laughs) it. there's no reason i get why it's in the book i do i mean i think it's just a little comedic you know thing to break up some of the stuff but i don't see he is but he is also a character developer for the weasley twins yes he is a character developer for filch uh-huh. And he is a little, I mean, I don't know that the Bloody Baron needs to be developed any because I don't know that the ghosts are in general super essential in a lot of ways, but he's a character developer for that. He is also a solidifier of Albus Dumbledore's total control of the school because the only people that he's ever listened to is Dumbledore and the Bloody Baron. So I, they make an effort to put in a lot of other ghosts. I think that some of the comedic scenes would have been nice to have. In general. And I also think that Peeves is a misunderstood character. So I think that there are a lot of people and scenes that can completely do exactly what Peeves is doing. So I don't think to try to translate that to the movie is worth it. And I do agree that most of the ghosts aren't needed either. Like um, Sir Nicholas was included for some reason, even though his major plot points weren't, which is strange, Um, I guess, just to add to the whimsy. But they really didn't include any other ghosts until Helena Ravenclaw. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just don't, I don't think that what he brings is so unique that another character couldn't pick it up and that it would be worth bringing it over because we see Filch's character development with every other student who's annoying. Um, We don't, I mean, although yes, Peeves is a character development for the Weasley twins, they don't need it. I mean, in the movies, they're just as trickster and just as comedic relief as Peas would ever be. I just don't see the real big point in it. So I I think one of the reasons that Peeves would have been important in the movies is because Peeves is not an important character. 
and I know that sounds kind of funny, but yeah, the the plot is based really around what's happening to Harry, and Peeves let us see glimpses into what's happening with other characters and other parts of the castle. And you get that from the books, and it's totally lost in the movies. Because although the books are very Harry-centric, they're not holistically Harry-centric. Yeah. And the, the movie, I think the movies just lose a lot of external plot points that we have that may not be totally essential to the story. Obviously, the movies go along just fine without them. But it would give us a more all-encompassing feel of what was going on, because Peeves was a narrator for a lot of second and tertiary characters that yeah. we get in the books that that give us kind of an idea that there is a lot of other stuff going on, that this is a fully functioning, you know, school. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of other people and a lot of other lives that are affected by what's happening with Harry. And we lose that in the movies in a big way. I do agree. I I do agree because in the books you get a sense of that. There's a lot of kids at this school. We still don't really know how many, that there's other houses. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But in the movies, it's like, it's almost seems like every class, like that's how many people are in the school until you get to like a great hall scene. Right. And it's, and it's only the same collection of people that you see all the time anyway. And I don't, I just don't think that that's fair to the story to make it so Harry centric. And I get that he's the main character and that's how it works. But. And I also think, I I really think that time would have been the issue there yes but no because the first movies weren't that long no but i mean time and money to be able to because every all the um i mean they have a lot of they have more extras in the first and second movie than most i would say than the later ones um they have a lot of random people running around in the first one but to actually build up that those those side stories and then bring in like the cgi for the ghosts and all of this other stuff i feel like it would get it could possibly get confusing trying to keep it into a specific time for a movie maybe i i don't know i i know that in the first movies we see a lot of ghosts and then they Mm -hmm. die off yeah in the other films i just think that it would have been nice to kind of get some of that in because there are extraneous scenes that you could do away with and get in some more external character scenes that would have yeah. just developed it more and made it more true to the books. That's yeah. all. And Peeves, I mean, was a, Peeves was a really good way to do that in the books. I do think that not bringing in the ghosts in general and their stories does do a disservice to later books. Um, mm-hmm. Like when we meet Helena Ravenclaw. They become very important. Yeah, they become very important. And you don't know in the movies at all why she's important. And what the connection is to her and why she's there or any of that. So it comes a bit random. But so I think that is a little bit of a disservice of not including these different characters, these side characters. But I understand why they did it. I think it just would have been too much effort, too much money and too much time. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, and and like you said, like with the CGI, it would have been really hard to make a character like Peeves look okay without it looking like one of the ghosts from the original Ghostbusters. Probably, so. yeah, because he is a less defined character. Yeah. Um, he's got a less defined picturesque, you know, he's not a person. Right. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we've got Norbert, who, the only reason it really gets mentioned here is because they made such a fuss about it in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But in reality, it's just not. So in the books, Dumbledore just says all right we're gonna send norbert away and it probably goes to charlie because he works with dragons but i don't know that it's specifically stated no it it 
in the books it, it is they it, it not not in book one but it comes back yeah that they that they go he's like the oh it, yeah and they're like oh it turns out that it uh norbert is norverta or whatever um yeah mm-hmm. and in the film there's like this there's like this whole struggle mm-hmm. they didn't no i'm backwards so <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you see the movies a million times so in the movie, he just sends him away to Charlie. And then we don't Correct. talk about it. In the book, Correct. there's a whole struggle of they have to get him up to the hourly and then they're picked up by Charlie and some of his friends and they come at night and it's like this whole thing. And there's a scene where they use the invisibility cloak, which gets left out a ton in the movies for how much they actually used it in the books. Yeah. Um, and it is, we do pick back up on Norbert later on in the movies briefly it's those like a line that mentions it um but it, it was a much bigger deal it was and... a much bigger deal in the books yes yeah mm-hmm. and that's where we first meet charlie is in this mm-hmm. first book the first when... book we're yeah we're introduced to him as a um quidditch player we're introduced to him as a family member and then we're introduced to him as a dragon which, which becomes it's a lot more clear and understandable than in the fourth book why charlie would be back bringing the dragons for the goblet of fire right it it really loops that around for people definitely mm-hmm. yeah where in the movies it's just like wait charlie who's charlie why does yeah. he have dragons why is he here so where it's because it's only briefly mentioned in the movie so it doesn't it doesn't i don't know it doesn't make as much sense in the movies but I get, I mean, I understand, like, time-wise, again, um, when, the main, yeah, it, when the main action scenes would be getting the Sorcerer's Stone. So it would be another action sequence that really wouldn't be necessary. I, it would have been a fun scene, though, to depict some, some sneaking around at night. Those were always fun scenes in the new books. Everyone under the invisibility cloak, you know. It would have been fun Charlie. scenes. Now, I think that maybe they just hadn't cast Charlie yet. That's also possible. Yeah. And I think another thing, too, is that they could have done it, like, halfway. They could have done, like, half the scene. Maybe it's not all the way up to the Owlery. Maybe they're just sneaking out with Norbert and Charlie comes through to have yeah. his hut. And then Maybe. they pick Norbert up. But Or we just see them getting ready to go. And then we see them running down the hallway. And then we cut to Charlie and his people flying away. Right. That yeah. works, too. That would have been fine as well. But, um I, I mean, I, I understand, like, maybe the movie people thought, like, this is just some side scene that's not really that important. Right. The, and the important thing is that Norbert is sent away. Right. You know? So, I get that. I get it. It's, that's not one that freaks me out. Um, the next one is what Harry sees in the mirror of Erised. So, in the movie, Harry only sees his parents, and in the book, he sees his entire extended family, and I think that is a I think that's good... okay. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's okay, but I do think that it le- in the book, it leads to a little bit more character development, because you see that by seeing his entire extended family, it's not just that Harry's pining for his parents. He feels like he doesn't have a family at all. Like, he has yes, no support system. But... but but it's not a how, massive big, it's not a massive deal. I mean, how the, does Harry know what his extended family looks like? <laughs> uh, I mean, I do agree that. That's I, my that, question. It's probably not real people. It's probably just what it's he's just manifested. What he, yeah, what he would hope a grandparents look like because um, yeah. his grandparents were dead before he was born on at least one side, right? Dead or like 
died right after he was born, but I think it was, I think um, James's parents died. Yes. I think right. they died so, I mean, before he, Harry was born. These are people that like, he's never met before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so he's just, he's just manifesting. And right. I mean, I think it, I think it makes it, I think the movie's a little bit more sad with just his parents. Right. Honestly. It is definitely sad to think that someone is an orphan feeling like, oh my God, all I want in the world is my parents. Yeah. I think it is a better understanding of Harry's character mm-hmm. that it's, oh my God, I wish I had a family. I wish I had a, a group of people that I belonged with. Right. Which um, I also think it, then lends towards why he loves the Weasleys yes, and Hermione so much. that fit relationship. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I get it. I get get it, it, but I also get why they left it out because it's really not that big of a deal. Like you can still get that he wants a family, but it does lead to a little bit more character development in the book. But it's so minute in my opinion. Yeah, it's not that big of a deal. But it is a difference. So we have a whole bunch of stuff that we don't really have time to get all the way into, but we're just gonna say why it bothers us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Okay, Okay. go for it. uh, Dudley and Petunia are blonde. They're blonde AF. And in yeah. the movies, they are dark-haired. They are blonde. It doesn't even bother me whatsoever. I don't even notice it. It bothers me because they make such a big deal out of Dudley's shockingly blonde hair in the books. That's why. Yeah, um, but... Meh. Harry's eyes are supposed to be green. So, so that <laughs> one... Okay, so here's my thing about this one. I get why people are upset about that, but the guy couldn't wear contacts. It's fine. My issue with it is that later when they're like, oh, your eyes are like your mother's and they've been saying this for years and then they cast little Lily and she's got like blue eyes. No, she's got almost black eyes. Like they're so brown because Harry's in the movie are blue. Uh, And then Lily in the movie is like brown, brown. Yeah. That's the part Um, that irritates me. If If it was like, Harry has blue eyes. Oh, your eyes are like your mother's. And then his mother has blue eyes. Okay, blue, that green, works. whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> Harry gets a broom at the end of Sorcerer's Stone. Mm-hmm. And in the books, it is kept a total secret because McGonagall is so into Quidditch and it is her secret weapon that he now has his broom. Right. And how do they play this out in the movie? <laughs> It flies down and everyone's like, oh my God, what mm-hmm. is it? And there's like this whole big scene. That's just not how it happened. No, no. need for that. No, no need for that. Yeah. Um, it, adds to the, it adds to the magical though. I guess. It's a nice little ending scene. We'll wrap up. <laughs> um, the type of snake at the zoo. So there is no reason that this had to be wrong. <laughs> no, that one's just one where it's like... But why <laughs> did you even read the book? Yeah. Like it, it's not one that really bothers me that much either. But the only reason it bothers me is because like, I feel like it takes more effort to change it than to just keep than it. Than to just leave it the way it was. Yeah, yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, how about Harry's broom gets jinxed and he swallows the snitch all in one match. I get why they changed it, but yes, it's right. supposed to be it's, two different matches. It's supposed to be two completely different matches, two completely different scenes. I'm just saying. But those Quidditch games, to film those, were probably a nightmare. Oh, yeah, totally. Both in, like, having time, having to set it up, having to make sure everybody's safe, and also expense. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. To have two different scenes, big scenes, yeah, no, I get why they combine them. And then we've got when Dumbledore arrives to find Quirrell and Harry mm-hmm. after they've had their little battle over the Sorcerer's Stone. Right. And it just, it, you just don't. 
You're going to make it? Yeah. I just, yeah, I don't know. You just, there are some things that you just don't have to change. Yeah. Like, it's nicely laid out in the books. You get a better idea of what's going on in the books, in the movies. It's so brief. it's a little hard to it's and it's also a little hard to understand it's very hard to understand what went down because they cut from him like touching harry and everyone passes out and stuff to waking up in the hospital bed and And i do remember when i was a kid watching that i was like wait how did he get to yeah how did he get back yeah it leaves out a lot of what Hermione and Ron did. Yeah. It leaves out some of the response of Dumbledore. It's those are just nice pieces of information to have. I think it. It just yeah. It just helps. Yeah, it helps understand what the hell just happened. Yeah. Um. Now, one thing that I will say, the book and the movie got, you know, the movie ended up getting really right is how important house points were in the first book. Mm-hmm. Um. They got that very right. I think the casting was excellent. It set it up for such an excellent cast for the, the cast the really books. was excellent yeah it's yes it's really hard to think of who would have played these characters had it not been yeah our, our original people so i think overall they did a really good job of making sure that anything that was super 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 essential got in there yeah um, they didn't I'm, deviate from the plot like no, the whole plot is, is fine which is nice because we do get a little plot deviation later on <laughs> yeah definitely um, and it's it's got to be hard with so many different directors um yeah not a lot of different characters a lot of the characters stay the same obviously we have a dumbledore switch up later on yeah but which question who do you prefer early dumbledore later dumbledore later dumbledore there are things i like about earlier and there are things i like about later earlier dumbledore visually to me looks like who i would have imagined more yeah but um, I like I like second Dumbledore better. I think second Dumbledore has a little bit more energy. Yeah, he's got a little more pizzazz, more, which is yeah. I think more fitting, definitely. Yes. Yeah. But I do think that there were some twinkle in the eye moments that were better with the first one. Yes. But whatever. Um <laughs> Whoa. Hi puppies. Dick's eight. See, if you guys gave us more money, we would have a studio to record in. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to say like six out of 10, six and a half out of 10. Pretty good. I'm going to go with seven, seven and a half. I liked, they did a lot to bring the overall feeling of like mm-hmm. magic and mystery and, and all and that. And they really did nail a lot of the novelty of yeah. Hogwarts. And they nailed the casting. They didn't like mm-hmm. skimp on the cast because it was Mm-mm. like a child's movie. They yep. really, no, they really they, went for it. They found people that were going to grow into the characters just like the characters grew into themselves. So I really, yeah. really liked that. Me they too. gave a, they gave me one of my most beloved characters ever. I mean, Hermione Granger is mm-hmm. she my girl. So yeah. Um, what are you loving this week? I'm loving Disney Plus. Oh, how did I know you were going to say that? Because I wrote it down on a shared document. That we're both looking at. Yeah, but I didn't look at this until today. (laughs) Well, I didn't write that until today. But um, yeah, it's great. Uh, They there there's room for improvement on the actual interface, but they're already making those improvements. Um, But I I love being able to watch all the old shows. I'm in the middle of a Kim Possible binge, so (laughs) I will beep you if I need to reach you. Thank you. (laughs) Um. I'm really enjoying having days off. That's great, I, too. I'm, like, five weeks, six weeks into my new job, 
and my orientation schedule. So my schedule is supposed to be that I work every other weekend. So I work every other Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which means that every other one I have Friday, Saturday, Sunday off. That's nice. But when you're on orientation, I have a lot of extra classes that I have to go to and those fall like on the weekends and in between the weeks. So I'll still work my normal days, but I'll also have to go to class. So I've just been super busy. So this is the first full weekend that I've had off. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is nice. And then it gets all messed up after this one, but it is exhausting. And we just had Thanksgiving. Yeah, we did just have to, I had to work on Thanksgiving. Um, but I, we did Thanksgiving yesterday. The family pushed it back a day for me, which was totally awesome. We had such a nice time all together. Um, and it's time for Christmas decoration. So exciting. So excited. Yeah. Uh, Harry said I have to wait until December 1st, which arbitrary arbitrary number it's tomorrow i know he was like it's you can put it tomorrow you can do it tomorrow i love christmas and we yeah. will probably be putting together a christmas episode it i think we're really out. gonna try we're gonna try yeah it depends on what our travel schedule looks like but we'll put together a christmas episode pretty similar to our um halloween episode and talk about like christmas in the books and stuff because christmas is a pretty big deal it is a big deal, both in the books and to us. So and and some of the best Harry Potter scenes. Truly, though, so, yeah. So very exciting altogether. Um, yeah. We hope that you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please let us know. We love talking to you guys. You can DM us. You can write us an email. You can find us on Twitter at Lumos Maxima Pod. You can find us on Instagram at Lumos Maxima Podcast, and you can write us at Lumos Maxima Podcast at gmail.com. If you have something long to say, we read them. We just don't always talk about them, <laughs> but we do read them and we respond to you guys. So that's cool. Um, please go on to whatever listening platform you have and subscribe to the podcast. Give us five stars, write a review. Um, if you don't give us five stars, it's okay, but it's not great. You can give us four stars. You can give it's, us four I'm stars. Although that. right now we are exclusively a five star reviewed podcast. So don't mess that up for us. <laughs> no, you can mess it up. If we get like 20 more reviews and they're all four stars, I'll be fine with it. That's true. Yeah, we do. We just, it's a great way for people to know what the podcast is about because you've listened to it and it also lets us know what you like. So don't hesitate to reach out. We love talking to you guys and we will be back. I don't know when at some point we're, um, we're working really hard to get a December episode out at some point. At some uh, point. Yeah. I think we might be, I don't know. This might be coming out like near, really near Christmas. It might be really near Christmas. Like yeah, if we're going to do a Christmas, Christmas episode. episode. Yeah, it may be on Christmas. We haven't decided yet. It might actually be. We but... might just you might just get the one episode in December and then we'll be back on a regular schedule um in January. So yeah. we'll have to see. We'll try. Don't worry. We'll let you know. But that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you guys next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.